This is Lincoln's home for sports talk on the FM dial. Also online at theticketfm.com. On the internet. KNTK FM Firth. 93.7 The Ticket. This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7, a ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakovan. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. This is On the Block here on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. I'm Jake Bachman. He is the Husker Hall of Famer, longtime NBA vet Eric Strickland. He's got a stogie. He's ready to go here on a Wednesday. Uh, We've got a fun show looking ahead for you. Uh, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald set to drop by for his weekly stop uh, here in about 20 minutes. Uh, But uh, before we get to that, we can uh, look back on our memories of uh, the the coaching cycle of the 2017-18 season when Nebraska landed Scott Frost and we all thought the future is going to be bright. Right, right. But first, I wanted to ask you, Strick, about your time of 2003, as we've been looking back on Husker seasons past uh, at the end of the ticket water cooler uh, most days, if there's not a whole lot of news uh, being pumped in. Um, we landed on 2003 this year. How was the 2003 year for Mr. Strick? Well, I, I think, one. well, 2003 for me, I think one of the things I found really interesting is that uh, in the NCAA uh, Division One men's basketball tournament, we saw that uh, Syracuse was going to be facing uh, Kansas. Oh, that was a great and game. at at that time, you know, Bayheim ha- hadn't been able to uh, secure a, a win, and so he it was eluded him in '87 and also in '96, and so um, he found his way back into. Uh, the finals after beating <laughs> having to get through, I think what four, I think uh, big 12 schools at the time. <laughs> and so I found that to be a pretty, pretty interesting thing about that year. It, it, it was the year where, I mean, Syracuse had to get through Texas um, in the, in the semifinals. And then they ended up, you know, um, you know, Kansas ended up beating Marquette and then they faced each other in a really close game. I mean, uh you know, that was McNamara, Jerry McNamara, you know, went nuts for three, I'm sorry, six three-pointers. Um, you know, they had a team with her, her very athletic Akeem Warwick, who ended up missing a couple of free throws and and then uh, uh, gave them an opportunity. Um, and then, you know, it was Carmelo Anthony leading the charge, who's the most outstanding player. And uh, making it happen, we also saw in the semifinals the emergence of a Dwayne Wade who had <laughs> led his team there. They got blasted, obviously, yeah. in ninety-four to sixty-one in that game. But um, you know, I, 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 you, you were going to see either Roy Williams come out, who had always kind of been the ire of of uh, just 
the talk of being able to get there. Same thing at, at sometimes that Bill Self had to deal with. It was like a lot of Kansas teams just always were good. They would get there and then they would come up short or they would get ousted in the first round or the second round and they would get upset. So you found that going on, but this time they were going to get there and they, they uh, faced off against one another. You were going to have a first time winner and Jim Beheim ended up uh, securing his first one. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting year for me that, you know, just watching that all go down and we saw a young mellow uh, become a star I mean, he was already a star, but, you know, obviously he had a tremendous NBA career as well. Yeah, that was one of the rare years where, like, the, the, the star young stud, like, usually when, you, when you're doing your NCAA tournament, you almost st- stay away from those teams just because they ha- historically aren't, aren't you know, doing so well. You mentioned Kansas. I always kind of think of the Joel Embiid, Anthony, you know, uh, Wiggins team. That, that, that should win a championships in college, right? But, uh, you know, they, you know, it goes year in and year out. Zion Williams, you know, it was okay. You know, some of these guys can make decent runs, but you rarely see the young stud lead them all the way to the championship. And, uh, that was really cool. And then there was, of course, uh, immediately after that game where, um, there were whispers about Roy Williams going to North Carolina if he'd take that job. And he said, bleep North Carolina <laughs> after the game. <laughs> and at that time, it was a, a shock, um, basically to, uh, to, or I, I think he said, I don't give a bleep about North Carolina or something like that uh, at the, at that time because he was uh, dealing with consoling his players right after losing yeah. a very close game. Um, Kirk Heinrich and, and Nick Collison, a very good team. Keith Langford on that Kansas team. Um, and uh, so that, that was kind of, I, I, that's what I remember about that. But it was just one of the better years transitioning kind of over to the post Michael Jordan era, right? Was that that was the draft class? LeBron is a part of it now. A Final Four made man in Dwayne Wade. Who's this hot up and coming coach? Tom Crean. Maybe maybe everybody mm-hmm. needs to get their hands on him. But um, it, it you know it just led to one of the best drafts of all time. You, we talk about your draft class being right up there as one of the draft classes of all time in '96. Oh three's got a pretty good argument with it too, as well as uh, what was it? Jordan and Akeem's back in what was it? '83 or so. '83. Yeah. yeah. I mean. I, that was the 83 one was was kind of crazy because, you know, there was a lot of spec. I think Sam Bowie, everybody has just been that's just been the talk of the biggest bumble of all time. Mm. And, and but you can understand it. Right. It's all it's all based on personnel at the time. I mean, Clyde Drexler was talked about as one of the better players in the league at that time. You have a Clyde Drexler. This wasn't a big, big three time where they were talking about big threes or big twos. It just was talking about teams, players, and what you have. And, and a lot of them looked at Sam Bowie. They felt they needed a a big, big man at the time. And they missed out on (laughs) arguably the greatest player of all time in Michael Jordan and what that would have looked like had they have, chosen Michael Jordan. I mean, it, the whole landscape of the NBA could have just made a shift and definitely out West, but it was, it was the East that was most dominant at that time. You look at the Boston Celtics, you're looking at uh, the Detroit Pistons and the runs that they were having. And, and, you know, the Lakers obviously out West were, were a formidable foe, but and and the jazz, but uh, and Seattle. So, I mean, it, it was a good balance, I think back then, but obviously the, the weight of it was out East and, 
and they were the ones that were doing a lot of the damage other than the Lakers. Yeah, and I feel bad because the Trailblazers missed out on, on, on Michael Jordan, obviously, but then did the same thing decades later with Kevin Durant and, and went with Greg Oden instead. So they come away with – don't if you're, if you're in that position again, Portland, don't draft the big man. Sam Bowie and Greg <laughs> Oden have cursed your franchise, and I'm sure the next time they do that, they'll draft a, a smaller guy, and then the big man will go on to be one of the best big men of all time because the Portland yeah, seems to be – The crazy just, thing is they had, they had Sabon bonus too but they just had the right, right. so it's like it, <laughs> they were just big man cursed all these years bro they just weren't <laughs> able to come out of that but i mean they had some great teams i mean that team with the oh, rasheed yeah. wallace and and um um uh, uh grant um and then pippen and and stoudemire stoudemire yeah. yeah man i mean listen then kenny anderson was there for a short minute and and then then they made another mistake <laughs> i think by letting a young Jermaine O'Neal go. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. You know, I think you could look back at that one too. And well, that was that the was a, but that was the Jailblazers era, so they didn't know what to do because they had they had Zach Randolph. I mean, they had a few guys that they let go, but uh, troubles out there in Portland. So that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think what Ruben Patterson was on. Yeah, so yeah. you're right. They had, they had some rough ones out there in the, that, yeah. during that time. That was a good era too, though. A lot, a lot of fun in, in the NBA. Looking back on it. Um, I wanted to look back on the 2017-2018 uh, coaching cycle because Tom Fernelli of CBS Sports did. Uh, he basically was re-ranking some of his grades for that offseason. It's kind of fun to go through it. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, of course, maybe among the top names there, went to Texas A&M. He originally graded that score an A. Now grades it as a B plus, which is kind of interesting. Texas A&M, I think, has done about what you expect them to do uh, under Jimbo Fisher. And, and you know, I, there's, all, there's still an idea about them getting the number one recruiting class this past year. How much of that was NIL? What kind of went into that? Are they an up-and-coming team in the SEC? Um, but it's hard to, to fight through in that league, as we've seen in the past. So Jimbo Fisher, even though he's got the national championship, um, maybe hasn't quite lived up to the expectation that some have had there. He did have the top five finished in 2020. Now they're looking to rebound. Uh, and uh, that brings us to his second ranked hire in that offseason, I believed here, uh, or tied for the first, I should say, is Scott Frost at Nebraska. Originally, Tom Fernelli gave this great an A, and that's kind of what we all did, right? I mean, that was a, a, a home run hire. How could it not be? Um, as the, as he looks back on it, he's got the record there, 15-29 and 29 for Nebraska, and under com- accomplishments for Scott Frost so far, <laughs> he's got greatest three-win team in college football history. Um, that, that, which that's is crazy. Probably- that, that's the only accomplishment. I mean, but when you think about oh. it, what would you put up there other than that? Um I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think there's much that you you have to sell. Um, I mean, I guess um, two second round draft picks. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that's going to help too much, but there is there is that. Um, But that's kind of that's kind of just where you're at. So uh, here was his uh, uh, paragraph or two about it. He said, uh, how's it going? Not well. Not only has Frost failed to live up to expectation placed upon him when he was brought home from UCF, but he hasn't come close. The Huskers haven't reached a bowl game under Frost and he enters 2022 season on one of the hottest seats in the country. He's following the Jim Harbaugh plan of taking a pay cut to buy himself another year. But while he doesn't necessarily need the playoff berth Harbaugh earned with Michigan last season, if Nebraska fails to earn a bowl bid again not even a pay cut will save him in 2023 so his original grade goes from an a to the current grade of a d and again this is one of those situations where you know in the past it was you know you kind of think about past times ranking solage among the best 
coaches in the nation, ranking Polini. You know, you, these offseason lists, you can get mad and say, yeah, no, move them up. They should be here. This is what they've done. Um, and I, I just feel like that part is missing again from this offseason where it's like, yeah, a D? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's uh, it's that close to an F. I mean, it's it's pretty close to, to having fallen all all together and, and and not working out, but he's got this one year to redeem himself and uh, you know and, and and to extend this thing a little bit further. Uh, it's it's uh, so it, it I I just you know I I hate the, when there's the when this you kind of it's, like, it's a gut punch when your 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 keyboard battles can't be had right and that's kind of where we're at in this offseason for Nebraska I always go back to um you know in the early 2000s 90s whatever message boards I was always on there talking about how Nebraska's program was better at this than the other program or this you know arguing with other fans and over the last several years you know there's not much to argue it's just like yeah we were once good and we've got good fans so, you know that's kind of where you're at now but uh uh do you, I mean, could you argue anything? Again, we were we were just uh, just having trouble coming up with any more accomplishments for Scott Frost. Could you argue against this D from Tom Fernelli, or do you think it's about? I mean, as fair as it gets. I think it's as fair as it gets. I <laughs> I love what he said about the fact that he's trying to you know call on the uh, the ghosts of of Tom. I uh, mean, I'm sorry, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and that, uh, <laughs> and that basically maybe he took like he took the pay cut and had that was was off to a terrible start before COVID really kind of eliminated that whole thing, and then took the pay cut and then had one of the greatest turnarounds, as Bob alluded to a couple nights uh, or a couple evenings ago on the show. That hey, maybe maybe it's uh, you know, calling on the the hardball the hardball ghost to make it happen for the Huskers, you know, maybe have the greatest turnaround also in history. Yeah, that's, I mean, the, the hope is that it, it can be turned around and, um, and we'll see. I mean, there's obviously a lot, of, a lot of new fresh blood in the program. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I, I think that, that at this point, in in my mind, it's it's all kind of a hail mary, kind of a hope, and see what sticks against the wall from Nebraska's um, athletic department as they buy down uh, certainly the buyout and in in the average uh, salary that he's getting now down to four million dollars a year. Which, I, if you have been paying attention, we've kind of updated it along the way is the lowest in the Big Ten now. Mike Loxley is up to four million a year uh, for what it's worth right now. So uh, Frost is, I mean, it's it's very obvious kind of the, the situation that he walks into here going into 2020 uh the 2020-22 season um but uh, there are kind of some uh, some responses here off the starter him text line 4246456685 if you want to get involved big frank says scott frost's greatest accomplishment in nebraska is he has won the off season every year <laughs> um which uh, i think uh, personally i think uh mike riley was even better at that he could drum up a, a lot of excitement um frost has done that to a degree and in and, and i'll always say this about the about the frost regime is that they fill the holes in the rosters pretty well whether that be through the transfer portal or the juco routes or bringing in a a high impact freshman um they've always had if there's there's a hole in the roster to get it there to get it filled and and bring in new guys but similar to recruiting from from high school or you know in any case it's tough to hit more than 50 percent so if you have a, a you know filled the need there sometimes it doesn't work out anyway, and, and it hasn't worked out enough for Nebraska, I suppose. Uh, ben says, uh, "Call on uh, the for a little more modern example. Even during the off season, there used to be multiple posts a day on the Huskers subreddit. Now at times we go several days."
days without having a single new post. Just shows the excitement is not there. Yeah, thanks for the uh, the modern update. I do. Uh, I, I love the message board days, but I suppose I should update to to Reddit these days. I do love college football Reddit. I look in there all the time, and 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 yeah, I mean, I'd agree. You do see less Husker stuff um, on there. Uh, Jory's sticking up for Frost a little bit. It says his first game was canceled. Second year, the COVID uh, happened. Dealing with the new portal and NIL, all while trying to build a foundation for his program at the same time. Much bigger challenges for Frost simultaneously. Not an excuse, but a fact. Uh, stick with Frost. So there are there are you know a lot of a lot of the fan base uh, still is excited to kind of see what can happen and, and how he can turn this around. Um, I guess again my my hesitancy to completely buy in is that a, a lot of the problems I see revolve around coaching, whether that's, uh, you know, just uh, like coaching adjustments, decisions that you make uh, it within game and uh, just overall the lack of discipline on this on the, in this program, the lack of any attention to the special teams unit. Now they finally hopefully fix that. But don't don't forget that last year they were telling us all offseason that it was fixed, you know, going into last year and it, it was never worse uh, than what we saw last season. So um, sometimes I, I just at a point, um, like many Husker fans, uh, you know, the, probably just as many that are there to stick with Frost and believe it's going to happen. I think there's just as many you know, on the other side of it saying, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in to see what will happen. The uh, as as we've mentioned off the off the text line, maybe the excitement is down a little bit because the um, bravado and the excitement and the belief behind your statements aren't necessarily there. You're more just kind of in a wait and see mode. But um, there's only much so much belief you can have until you get to wait and see mode. After 15 and 29, after three and nine last season with his most talented team, so uh, it's it's you know that that's just it's it, it's unfortunate. Um, that's where Nebraska is in both the football and basketball realm. Is you're pretty much in you know these one time home run hires have turned into this has not gone well, and now you're in a wait and see to see if their their last hail mary attempt can land. Yeah, that that is true. I think some of the other ones that I found that were really interesting was the Herm Edwards situation. I mean, he led him to three bowl games. Uh, he was originally graded as an F. I, you know, I, that was a surprise for me, especially there at Ohio, uh, at, at Arizona State. Um, but I think the the interesting part of what his situation is is that he had people jumping in the transfer portal in droves, and obviously we landed. Uh, Tommy Hill is is one of one of those guys that happened to jump in there. Um, I'm 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 kind of interested to find out what what's going on there. I mean, he he has a 25 and 18 record. Um, uh, again, it's it, it's one of those things that he's a good coach. I mean, I think I, I don't know for sure if college is his game, but um, he's not doing too too bad. But the other one I think that is. I'm surprised that he's not doing as well in the NIL game is Chip Kelly at UCLA. Um, I, I, you would think that UCLA with their alumni base and, 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 and the likes of that and the location of where they are, similar to USC and a traditional program as well, that they haven't done as, 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 as well as you would think they would have. Um, he has made some improvements. Um he was one that kind of transcended the fun and gun type of offense, you know, obviously, and, 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 but just hasn't had success uh, as of late. But when he came in, he was an A plus grade. 
but that tailed off a little bit, especially only securing one bowl game in the time that he's been there since then as well. Yeah, I've been surprised too by that to a degree that Chip Kelly hasn't gotten it going because, you know, I think that's one thing that you would say about Frost's offense and the, the whole idea behind it was you know, obviously, is it going to work in the Big Ten? And he had confidence that it was going to, but that play style makes more sense out on Very the West Coast in the Pac-12. Very Pac-10-ish. Yeah. And, uh, and very Pac 10 ish and Texas Tech ish. You know, right. Yeah. It just hasn't worked for the Big Ten. And, and Jim, yeah, Chip Kelly hasn't been able to get it going out there too well until last year. Maybe he had his big jump um, going eight and four last year. That's still not what really UCLA wants to see. Um, but uh, it's at least a step in the right direction. But it's just, uh, you know, some of this stuff goes back to show you um, those those coaching hires at the time. You know, might make more sense or make the most sense in the world, but uh, you got to let them play through to see, you know, kind of how it plays out because Chip Kelly and Scott Frost originally graded as A's here, uh, turning around not being so good. And and then, you know, kind of to the crowd that says, what's Nebraska going to get after Scott Frost? It might not be an A in these articles, but you hope that it turns around to that, similar to Mario Cristobal. Mario Cristobal was hired as Oregon's head coach the same year um, that Scott Frost uh, was uh was hired at Nebraska, and under his list of accomplishments, he's got two Pac-12 championships and four bowl games and Pac-12 Coach of the Year. And obviously now he's uh, he's off and in, in running to Miami, but um, the original grade on that one was a C plus. Now obviously that's turned around to an A. So um, you kind of think about that along with you know some other guys. Josh Heupel took over at UCF. The same year, you know, obviously taking Scott Frost's position, position, he's turned that into a, a pretty solid start at Tennessee. Dan Mullen, despite, you know, kind of having the reverse record of what Scott Frost did at Nebraska, 34-15, and 15, uh, has already been fired from, from Florida, and they've moved on uh, despite having, you know, his four bowl games and SEC titles and all that. So um, it's, it's also interesting just to kind of, wonder where the programs are at and that's where I think it's interesting if things go off the rails or I shouldn't say off the rails if things stay the way that they have been under Scott Frost and they do have to make a move um, there is going to be that idea tossed out there well who can they get and it might not be one of these top names but I I would go as far as to say that they might be in in a better position to get uh, have more candidates in the pool than they would years before. Maybe not as high end, but when you're talking about the, coming off the Bo Pelini firing, obviously you're taking a, a, over a better roster and all that, so you have to, to factor that in there. But, you know, that was the whole talk of, well, they fi- they've now fired two of their last three coaches after nine win seasons. That's a lot to ask of a coach to walk into. If I'm a coach walking into Nebraska on six straight losing years, you know, yes, it's it, it it's it that's tough to, no matter where you go, but it's Nebraska. You should be able um, to to kind of get them out of the rut, and then you know, if you win eight games, then you're already on on your way uh, to a good start to your tenure. So, and I don't think it's that crazy to say that you can win eight games if you're at Nebraska, and, and I you know I think that they that somewhat accomplishable this year if they can if they can kind of get the the problems that they've had in their coaching out of the way the last couple of years. I mean, the start, the start is going to be important. I mean, the North, the Northwestern game and don't sleep on North Dakota state. I mean, that that's a dangerous game um, to just, hopefully you don't overlook. I mean, I think if they can get off to a great start, um, take advantage of a, of a possibly a down Oklahoma uh, team and get off to a good early start. And if they win, if they can take care of those first four games, um, you're, you're definitely putting yourself in position for at least a six win, um, you know, season. So I think that's 
probably one of the most important things that's out there. Being that they had trouble with uh, Illinois, can't just throw Indiana out to the wind. I mean, they're very capable yeah. of surprising you and doing some damage. So they've got those games that they can really, if they really focus and take care of, man, they can do some damage and, and, and they can pull out what, most of the people in Vegas are talking about right now. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's get on board with them turning this thing around. We're obviously going to be cheering for it and 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 see how it turns out. It's a it's a we're past the halfway point from the end of last season and the beginning of next season. So college football is closer than you might think. But we'll take a quick break. When we come back, it's our weekly talk with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan will join us next here on the block. Mm-hmm. 